Well, I'm going to talk to you today about something that's vitally important, and that's for us being able to move to that next place in the Lord. God, for each one of us in our life, God has that next step, or that next base, or that next crossing of that line that He has for us. Now, the, the wonderful thing about it is God looks at us all individually. So each one of us have particular measuring marks that God is calling us to. Grady, I enjoyed talking with you so much this morning as you talking about the journey of the Holy Spirit. Grady just wanted everybody to know how much he's enjoying those devotionals about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I said, Grady, I feel that same way. Grady has some of the greatest teaching, though, of any of us here. His mother was probably the most precious Holy Spirit-oriented lady I have ever met. And y'all remember, she sat right back there until she went to be with the Lord. And so Grady's had all this poured into him. So I don't, So you're probably up there on level 11, and I'm down here on level 2. But, but anyway, God has all of these marks for us. And Billy, I believe God's got some marks for you for healing. I just believe that. I believe He's got some challenging marks in there and and because healing is a process a miracle is instantaneous but healing is a process and so most of us in our life whatever's going on is being healed <laughs> i mean whatever it is whether it's relationships circumstances finances we're most we all want the miracle but how many are going to accept the healing because it means process. God's going to cause it to get better and better and better. And that's exactly what the Word of God says. That it's through every day that we get up, the sun shines brighter in Jesus. And so, and so God's got all these different marks for us, all these different platforms. But there's also one for the church. Just like there's one for your family. You want to pray in accordance with that. You've got to always realize, God, God's got something special for me. God's got something special for my family. And God's got something special for my family in the church. Because, and it's so important that you stay up in pace with the church. Because that's where the safety is. Now, relationships found in the family. But your safety and your protection and your blessing and your well-being comes by you staying up with the church and its markings. Uh, because that's so, uh, talked to us so strong, isn't it, in the book of Exodus, you know, where Moses leading the children of Israel, and he had approximately three million people in movement. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine a city with three million people. But he had three million people moving through the desert. Boy, how would you like to furnish toothpicks for that group? Man, that would have been a... That would have been a major thing. But in the process of it, Moses noticed that the Amalekites, those, the flesh, demonic powers, began to attack and destroy parts of them. They come to find out it's those that would lag behind the rest. Those that would be tired and those that were sickly and those that would fall behind. So I'm asking you in the Lord, don't fall behind. Stay with the progression of the church. Stay with the movement of the church and stay with where not only what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in your family life, you be excited about what God's doing in your church and you stay with that movement. And if, and if this church is studying on healing, you get into healing. If this church is studying the Holy Spirit, you get into the Holy Spirit. 
because God's moving us as a family and God's moving us as a community forward for the glory of the Lord. And so we're looking for that next level. And in the process of it, I believe, understanding of the Holy Spirit. And, and one thing that we really need to just grasp a hold to, which I've already talked about this, give a little um, background to it. There's three dimensions of the Holy Spirit. There's at least three. Because I, I can't say, because Holy Spirit is big. I mean, the precious Holy Spirit is just so big and so wonderful and got so many different dimensions. And in fact, every good thing that you've ever received in your life, every good thought that you've ever had, every good gift that's ever come to you, every precious thing that's ever happened to you came by the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand that Jesus limited himself. I mean, I mean, he took such a demotion when he came to earth. He limited himself to a body. And because that him sitting on the throne as our king of kings, he limited himself to the body throughout eternity. Jesus this morning, guess what? He's here by virtue of the Holy Spirit. But today his body is sitting on the throne. And so, you, you got to understand that He limited not only, that's why, that guess what's going to, going to be the only thing in heaven that's man-made? It's the appearances in Jesus' hands. Because He's limited Himself to His, to a physical, to a spiritual body now. At first, it was a physical body. And so everything that, that's why Jesus said it's so important that you get the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what I want you to know. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be the one that's standing beside you. And every good thing I want to do for you. And every good thing I want to bring to you. And every way I want to help you. I'm going to send it by way of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important in our life. Amen. Now the Holy Spirit makes it easy for us to worship Jesus. Because He's always glorifying Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit, so, but if I'm going to have a greater relationship with God, I've got to develop a greater relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because virtue, Jesus is with me through the Holy Spirit. God the Father is in my life through the Holy Spirit. Everything good is coming to us. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven there with Larry. But the Holy Spirit is here trying to help me to know about God and revealing to us things that are coming. So if I'm going to be closer to God, I will be closer to God by coming closer to the Holy Spirit. So that's just why it's so important for, for me to know about the Holy Spirit and talk about the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is always encouraging talk about Jesus. But God expects believers to talk about the Holy Spirit because you know for you to come closer to God, you must allow greater measures of the Holy Spirit in your life. So as you go, as you talk about Jesus, which the Holy Spirit's making it easier, you make sure that you're bringing into those conversations the precious Holy Spirit that is so wonderful in your life. And He is wonderful. He's gentle. He's kind. He's sweet. He's generous. He's giving. All the, the, the nature of the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. Right, there's three dimensions of that I've got to realize in the Holy Spirit. And, and the first one we can find in John chapter 14 where Jesus was explaining it. And John chapter 14 verse 17, He said, Even the Spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it sees Him not. Neither knows Him, but you know Him. 
But, but, but you know Him. You know the Holy Spirit. You, you, if you've been saved, if you've been drawn by God, you know the Holy Spirit. The world can't receive Him. They don't understand Him. That they want to give him some type of weird kind of a... I was watching a show of the day that's been very nice, a program. It was all about murder and all about mystery. So you know it had to be nice, right? But in the process of it, man, right in the middle of things, they brought a thing against the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, the world don't want the Holy Spirit, but the church, we love the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus in our life. Amen. And so what he said there is, the Spirit, because the world can't receive Him, neither do they know Him. But we know Him, for He dwells with us. And, he, and Jesus, at this time, at John chapter 14, He said, He shall be in you. Uh, that, that's the wonderful two dimensions of the Holy Spirit that we can talk about, is that the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. And that means he's out here. That's what Jesus said. He's out here. And it, you always be appreciative for the way the Holy Spirit drew you to Christ. When you didn't know anything about God, when you didn't care anything about God, the Holy Spirit was out there caring about you. Woo! Aren't you thankful for that? Man, when, when I didn't know nothing about God and when my w- world was wandering all and every which way, the Holy Spirit was right there beside me all the time. And how many of you know that you're right here today because the Holy Spirit was looking out for you when you wasn't looking out for yourself? Man, because the Holy Spirit was with us. He was out here always helping us. And that's what He's doing now. That's why, that's why prayer is easy for a believer. Because you can pray for your lost loved ones. Because the Holy Spirit is going to get them. They call Him the hound dog of heaven. I don't like that title for Him. But I understand this meaning. Because the Holy Spirit is out there reaching your loved ones. Reaching your mom. Reaching your dad. Reaching your brother. Reaching your sister. And all you're doing, you're praying. And you're, you're saying, sick them. <laughs> and it's what prayer does. You're saying, go get them. And so, it's so important that we recognize, we appreciate the Holy Spirit when with us. But Jesus introduced that other area. He said, he shall be in you. Now, it's so beautiful because in John chapter 1, that was John chapter 14. Now, John chapter 20, we come into that different dimension of the Holy Spirit. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. He appears to his disciples in the upper, upper room. I mean, not the upper room. He appears to his disciples there in the room. And then as Jesus does, he used these words. He said, now receive the Holy Spirit. And there, because that was the first time they see Jesus had just been risen from the dead. They couldn't believe in the resurrection before that. But now they could believe in the resurrection. And Jesus came. The Bible says, I love the book, acted infallible proofs. <laughs> infallible proofs. And now at this point, Jesus, he appears to his disciples. And you know how Thomas was. He was an old doubting guy. And I relate to that a lot of times. And, but the Lord even reached Thomas. He said, now you can believe in me. And there Jesus breathed in them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that had been with them, now the Holy Spirit became in them. But then, then but that Jesus wasn't through because... The day that Jesus went back to heaven, Acts chapter 1, he told them about a third dimension of the Holy Spirit. And it's so wonderful. If you let the Holy Spirit draw you to God, then you let God, the Holy Spirit, 
come in you. And Jesus and God will work in you, making you a sanctuary for the very presence of God. Uh, that's why the gentle one comes in here, the kind one comes in here, the tender one comes in here, because it's to break off the hard, crusty part of my life. And it's to bring me to a place to where I become tender like him. In fact, the Bible calls that fruits of the Spirit, love and joy, peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness, meekness, and the Holy Spirit is working those in us. I, I know that we're living in a world where, where the tough guy wins, but I'm going to tell you what, in spiritual terms, tough guy don't win. It's the gentle guy that wins. It's the kind guy that wins. Because those are the people that allow the Holy Spirit to develop their character and their nature. There's two things majorly. If, if you've been saved and the Holy Spirit is in you, there's two things that He's readying you for a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and He is sanctifying that temple. And so the, He's doing two things to you. He's building a relationship with Jesus, teaching you how to hear Jesus. He's teaching you. The Holy Spirit's in you right now. If you've been saved, the Holy Spirit's in He's He's teaching you how to hear the voice of Jesus. And He's hearing you how to be guided by Jesus and led by Jesus, see. And the second most important thing He's doing, He's teaching you the character of Jesus. And He, the Bible says, by the Spirit, we're transformed into the very same image, see, at Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in each one of us revealing Jesus. Jesus and trans everybody say transforming. Don't you just like that? That kind of feels like I don't have to work in it. But it's that word transforming that God's transforming us into the image of Jesus on the inside. And he's getting us ready for what Jesus revealed on the day that he went back to heaven in Acts chapter 1. Where he said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes up on you. Third dimension. One dimension is the Holy Spirit with me. He brought me to Jesus. The second thing, he came in me to make me like Jesus. And the third dimension, he came upon me to empower me to act like Jesus. Amen. And we have to understand that all, that all, the, all of the, that, that's what the Bible is about. <laughs> In fact, the, the New Testament is, is about, it's, it's the life of Jesus. That's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have the life of Jesus in it. Because God was teaching me how He would want me to be. I, I, I hope that you don't look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and you see some type of image that God never expected you to live. I, I tell you, God brought Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to you. So and that's the life of Jesus. That's where the red, uh, that's where the words are written in red. How many like that? Yeah, they're written in red because God was there teaching me how He wanted me to live. And that's why Jesus came in bodily form. So Jesus could teach me how to handle a storm in my life. And so He could tell me how to handle sickness in my life. And He could tell me how to handle persecution in my life. In fact, Jesus came as my example. How many of you are thankful that Jesus came as your example? Praise God. And the, and the wonderful thing about it is, in the process of it, 
I, I love, I love that the study of the book of Acts, but to study the book of Acts, you gotta go all the way back to the book of Luke. Because the writer of the book of Acts was also the writer of the book of Luke. And it wasn't like Luke Acts, it was like chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the same book. In fact, the book of Luke, which is all about the miracles of Jesus, I may love the miracles that's contained in the book of Luke. The book of Luke is all about miracles. That's why Paul revealed Luke as a physician. He was a doctor, man. He looked at what God was doing. And can you imagine that educated man just saying, wow, look at Jesus heal. I thought I could heal. Look at Jesus heal. Look at Jesus help. Look at Jesus control the storm. Look what Jesus can do. And Luke, even though that he was a physician, that he was so fascinated by the miracle power of God that God chose him. He was one of Paul's buddies, but God chose him to write the book of Luke to let us know the miracle power of God. Now, but and it, it was it was the book of Luke, and it was written to I think the, the most noble Theophilus. And what that word means is the, is the one the God lover. And so whether that was written to one, and and in fact I guess as far as history is concerned, we know that the book of Luke and the book of Acts, God was written like the one person. Luke thought he was writing it to one person. I'm going to tell you what, when you invest your life in one person, it has great meaning to God. And when you invest your life in helping somebody to turn their life to a God, God. Now back during that day, a physician was a slave. Boy, that's not the way they operate now, is it? They're like Mr. Moneybags. So, um, but back then, the physicians were slaves. Uh, in fact, only the, the noblest of people, only the richest of the people, has, had, had doctors. I mean, a doctor wasn't there. He didn't have his, like, his office down the street and would say, get this camel to go a little bit faster. I'm trying to get to the doctor. It wasn't like that. It was certain people had access to physicians and doctors. And they were considered slaves or servants of that, of that, uh, of that rich person or of that master. And so a history kind of says, speaks to us that, that God, that Luke so loved his master that he spent, uh, did you know that sometimes that it would take years to complete one parchment, one, one writing? Uh, because you know that the length, the length of a, the length of a, a, a parchment or a, a length of a writing of the size of Luke would be as long as 35 feet long. I mean, it was almost a last goal was to write a book. I mean, because it was so an un, unbelievable number of hours. But Luke had such a love for most noble Theophilus, or whether he was writing to just people that loved Jesus, which that's what it meant. But but he 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 had such love in his heart, he spent whatever length of time it would take to develop, to write chapter 1, which was Luke, and then to write chapter 2, which was Acts. And in the process of it, uh, Luke tells us the miracles that Jesus did. Acts tells us the second part of Jesus' life, and the second part of Jesus' life is Jesus through us.
And that's why the book of Acts is such an Acts. It's not Acts of the Apostles. It's Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's where Jesus was so mighty in the book of Luke and so miraculous. And then he said, and chapter 2 is going to tell you how this miraculous God is going to use you. And did you know there's 30 miracles alone in the book of Acts? When you talk about 30 chapters, you talk about 30 miracles. Every chapter in the book of Luke has a miracle released in it. It's so wonderful. I, I see, I believe God's trying to teach us how to live. I really believe that. I believe God. I, I believe the investment that Luke gave, however long, five years, ten years, twenty years. I, I don't know. It take me a long time to, man, it, it take me a long time to even paint something 35 feet long, much less try to write in that. And so whatever investment, he was willing to do it because the words he knew that he was writing about was going to be a miraculous change in old Theophilus' Theophilus's life and God. And so he gave whatever. And I'm, I want to just let the Lord speak to your heart. I, you know, a lot of times we say, well, you know, Jerry, you know, God didn't call me, but, but, I'm, but I've got this friend that I really care about or I've got this family member I really care about. I tell you what, God so cares. He would take years out of Luke's life to change one person. And if you would do what it takes to reach those that God puts in your hands, it will find God's favor too. And in the miraculous life that Jesus lived in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then in the book of Acts, I mean, we try to determine how a church is supposed to be. I mean, we say they, the church is supposed to be quiet and nobody say anything and nobody get out of the way and, and nobody, you know. But that's not the example. That's not the, the example. The book of Acts is the example of the way a church is to be. And, and do you realize that in 30 years in, throughout the book of Acts, 30 miracles recorded there that they reached what Paul said was all of their known world at that time. Can you imagine what God can do with a group of people that will love God the way that Luke loved them to reach a whole world? And, and so uh, God, God lays this out before us. Now, the rest of the books of the Bible, most of them are Pauline, the, uh, the Pauline epistles. Most of those is correcting things as they was living out the book of Acts. I and mean, they was correcting things. I mean, they was telling us how to, how to speak in tongues and when not to speak in tongues and how to operate in miracles and how to treat each other and how to love each other. But far as the guideline of how the church is to be, is found there in the book of Acts. And it is so exciting. But, but I don't know where I got into all that at. But, <laughs> but in the process of it, the first thing God wants is me to be appreciative for the Holy Spirit that was with me all of those years, drawing me to God. And you know what? There's a, there's a caution for each one of these dimensions. And the caution that is spoken to the Holy Spirit being with me, the warning is, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's the warning of that one. Now, blaspheme means I contribute the things of God to the devil. You be careful about things you don't understand. You understand? You be careful about things. 
Don't you just develop a mouth that likes to talk <laughs> and you like to judge. Somebody said, well, I, I had a person come to me some, one time and said, and said, uh, uh, said, Brother Jerry, I got a gift in this church. I said, what is it? My, my gift in this church is judging this church. Well, you know, I don't, I don't believe that's biblical <laughs> in that sense. And so, but, but in the, so don't you set yourself up as, as, as judge and jewelry for people in their lives. Man, be careful with your pointing of the finger and your, and your judgment. Be careful with those things. Be careful with condemning sisters or condemning brothers or be careful because it could be a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it says. Don't blaspheme. Don't contribute something that God's doing to the devil. The Bible says all oh, everything else will be forgiven, but that one will not be forgiven. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is so tender. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. And the Holy Spirit is so kind. It's like God the Father sends I'm going to protect mine. I'm going to take care of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is so tender. So you be careful with your judgment, honey. It's just better, i found, to just shut your mouth and just praise God. <laughs> Whatever is happening, just shut your mouth and praise God and rejoice at what the Lord is doing and, and the victories that we have in the Lord. Amen? All right, then, there, then the Bible says not only is He with us, but the Holy Spirit is in us when we accept the Lord. Jesus breathed in them, said, receive. He said, this moment, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in the process of it, the Holy Spirit came in. There is a caution for this one. The caution for this one is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That word grieve means sadden. That's why the book of Ephesians says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, where it lists out this, it has many, many, as every one of them has to do with me hurting somebody. Or me offending somebody. Or me talking about somebody. Or me judging somebody. Every one of these, that saddens the Holy Spirit. You're not going to become closer to the Holy Spirit as long as you keep your nature like the nature of the old man. You've got to let God do a work in your nature. You've got to let the Holy Spirit develop that love, joy, and peace. I mean, it's got to be a word. That old man must give way to a new man. The old way that you handle things. Man, I've always been a hard man. Don't be a hard man anymore. Man, don't be a hard man anymore. So, why this way I always say, yeah, that's why. And and you're going to be so far from the Holy Spirit that God's never going to be able to use your life to glorify himself. If you stay like you, God won't be able to use you. But it's when you begin to change and we realize that God wants to temper. God wants to help me. God wants to subdue. God wants to overcome. God wants help that new man to shine out of me. Because I'm going to tell you, no matter what you're trying to do with that old man, it will never glorify God. It will never. If you want to glorify God with your life, it's not the man that you are. It's the man that Jesus has made you. It's the man that will glorify God. So you learn. And, and, it, and it's hard in the processes of it. Man, I mean, you know, it's hard for be a man's man than got to be gentle. But, but the Bible says, in fact, the Bible says that we're to commit things to gentlemen. The, the Bible says, find those that are gentle. Find those that are tender. 
So don't allow the hardness of life and and the unforgivenesses of life and, and those kind of things to develop your nature. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to temper your life. And then the third dimension, of course, then, is the Holy Spirit coming upon me in power. And that's what Jesus said. And you shall receive Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is right prior to the time of him leaving. So the Lord did that because he knew that God wanted people not only to love him, but to act like him and to handle life like him. That's why. And so right before he ascended, he said, And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Now notice that scripture does not say you will witness. You know, it didn't say you will witness. God said, I'm going to make your life a witness. I'm going to change you into a witness of my glory and of my power. And the greatest testimony of any of us that any of us have, the greatest testimony is not what you think. (laughs) It's not information that you've got collected. The greatest testimony in any of our lives is what God has done in me. Amen. And now what God wants to do through me. So the, the first one is God with me. And the next one, God in me, what he's doing in me. How many are thankful that God's doing some wonderful things in you? Powerful things in you. And, and it won't be long. God's going to be doing some things through you. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, isn't that exciting? Whoa, the same God is the same God that was with me is, is now dwelling in me and He's glorifying Jesus. He's, he's tempering my life. He's working with my disposition. He's working with my thought life. He's working with the way I think about things. He, he's working with what I allow myself to think and, and what I stand against myself thinking. And He's working with the things that I say and the way that I say it. And He's working with the things that I do and things. And it won't be long. Jesus is going to be doing some things through me for His glory. Amen. Now let me, let me close with this. Because man, I never get any place. The greatest thing I can do at this time in my life is allow the Holy Spirit to make more room for Him. Because He is a Holy Spirit. And He's going to live in a holy temple. You can never expect God to be able to do anything with you if you're not going to allow the temple to be cleansed that He lives in. Somebody says, God doesn't care about who I, what I do or what I say. He only cares about what I believe. My darling, have you missed it? Have you missed it? Have you missed it? Do you understand that the greatest thing about Jesus was his sinless life?
Did you know that's the number one thing about Jesus? Was his sinless life? When you put down all the aspects of Jesus, the first and foremost, he lived a sinless life. Now, are you telling me, Jerry, that I'm on? I'm just telling you like this. The fear of God is when I begin to care about what pleases or displeases God. If I'm doing my own thing, and if I'm not caring about what pleases or displeases God, I want you to know I've missed the fear of God. The fear of God is not that I'm afraid of God. The fear of God is I'm fearful that I would ever hurt God. That I would grieve him, that I would sadden him. I don't want if the greater the love that God develops in your life, the more you will care. And it will become the point where you'll care about every word you say. And you'll quit defending yourself with your own nature. That the words that you say, they'll either have to come submitted or forgiven. You'll know that you're developing the fear of God when everything that you say is either surrendered or forgiven. What does that mean? That, that means that, that when I say something that displeases God, I've got to stop it. I've got to use the precious tool that God has given me to cleanse this temple so the Holy Spirit can live greater measures in here. It will, what that means is that, that I, I, will, I will stop and I'll use the precious blood of Jesus. That's why God gave us First John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sin, Jesus said, and I'll cleanse you. you. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't cleanse your own temple. You can't make yourself cleanse. But the blood of Jesus can. That, that's why the fear of God is to hate evil. It's not hate evil people. <laughs> it's, it's to hate the evil. And that starts with the evil that I allow. And so what happens is then, then the greater I will be concerned about am I saying that that is pleasing or displeasing to God? Now, am I saying it in a manner, in a tone that I'm pleasing or displeasing to God? Am, am I expressing the gentleness and the love of the Lord through what I'm saying, or am I not? And then those, as they get closer to the Lord, it even backs up another level. See, most people just start with what they do. And they'll talk bad stuff, and they'll, and they'll uh, not care about what they're... But they're watching what they do. But a person that wants to be closer to the Holy Spirit not only cleans up, begins to clean up what they're doing, they begin to clean up what they're saying. And then the person that really wants to be close to God is not only cleaning up what they're doing and cleaning up what they're saying, they begin to clean up what they're thinking. Some people don't understand that there's a source of your thoughts that either is comes from a godly source or from a demonic source. And when you begin to determine that I love God enough to clean up what I'm thinking, 
See, sometimes you can hide it from everybody else, but you don't think you have to hide what you're thinking. Jesus does. He knows what we're thinking. Jesus knows what I'm allowing. Jesus knows the perversion or the righteousness that I allow to take place in here. And if I will love God enough, I believe, I believe this with all my heart, that's the first place that we're supposed to learn warfare. Me learning warfare is not fighting for you. That's not where I learn it. That's what I will do later. The first place that I will learn warfare is fighting for this temple to be clean before God. And to get this vessel clean, I'll learn to fight against the devil and realize that thoughts of the devil. See, did you know that was the first spiritual warfare that Jesus exercised in his, in his physical body in Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4, the Bible says right after he was baptized and had the Holy Spirit in him, the next thing was he moved into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And he moved into spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare was this. The devil was shooting thoughts into Jesus' mind and Jesus was standing against them. If you're ever going to grow in the things of God, you're going to understand, I must take responsibility not only over my actions and not only over my words. I've got to take responsibility over the thoughts that I think. That's why the Bible calls warfare is this being transformed. Coming to a place to where, and I can remember, and I know some may be here today, and you think, man, man, I'm so far from that. Man, there's no way I'd ever go there. Man, I've, I've got the, somebody says, I not only opened the gate in my life, man, I took down all the fences. And that's the way I was at one point in my life. I can remember where I was. I can remember how discouraged I was. And I can remember I looked up toward heaven and I was working in construction that day. And my mind was being bombarded by filthy thoughts, by bad thoughts, by ugly thoughts, by mean thoughts, by angry thoughts. And I thought that was all me. But I remember that day I looked up toward heaven and I said, God, will it always be this bad? Will I always think that? This bad, and we'll always have to fight this much. And I remember the Lord looked back at me that day and reassured me in my heart that if I was willing to fight against that avalanche of thoughts, that God would come to my rescue. And I can tell you, after years later, it changes. Those bad thoughts begin to give way to godly thoughts, and they begin to give way to loving thoughts. Did you know it's a long? As you allow yourself to think evil about somebody, you'll never be close to them. Do you know that? As long as you allow yourself to think hard toward others, you'll never be close to them. And you'll never be unified with them. You'll never be one heart with them. And do you know why the church is so separated because we're so separated right here. We've allowed ourselves to think things that we should never have allowed ourselves. And I'm going to tell you what, I know it's harder to shut a gate once that stuff starts coming. Man, I got these. Lane has 35 dogs at my house. Almost. Not quite. But she got a lot of dogs. Man, she's a dog lover. 
And in the midst of that, man, I got dogs of every shape and form and fashion. I got dogs that jump up this high, dogs that jump this high, and dogs that just take me down. Lane said, go out there and feed them. I said, I'm not going out there with those animals. <laughs> and one thing I found out, I've learned to sneak around and open up gates. <laughs> because once something starts coming through that gate, it's hard to ever get it closed. So you may have a harder time getting that gate closed. But being close to the Holy Spirit is worth it. It's worth any price you have to pay. It's worth it. I just want to ask right now, how many of you need the Holy Spirit to clean you in some way? I want you to come here and join me right here in this front right now. If you know that you know the Holy Spirit, and you just want to give the Holy Spirit a right to start working in your life. And let's just say yes to the Lord. If you know that, come on quickly, just move down toward this front. Stephen's going to lead us in a cry to the Lord. And in the midst of that, we're just saying, Lord, I just want you to help me start with me. God, help me. Help me to prepare my life as a living sacrifice before you, Lord. Help me, God, to clean this temple up. Lord, help me to allow the temple of God to be made holy and clean in the presence of the Lord. Stephen, go ahead. And this is our prayer right here. Praise the Lord. The Spirit was moved over the waters. Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moved over the waters. Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. And come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart bound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know. I'm here and I know you will feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Sing it out. Holy Spirit, come. 
lift your voice. Come rest. Oh, 